Arnie Del Beauchamp is an award-winning business leader, a best-selling author, and a business startup and mindset mentor who has survived many challenges throughout her journey, which would stop most people in their tracks. But rather than giving in, she got back up over and over again and used the lessons learned to rebuild a once shattered life, growing multiple businesses along the way and achieving great success through willpower, resilience, and the ability to face fear and adversity head on. Mani, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So for our listeners who may not have encountered your work, perhaps you could share a little bit about your story and what led you to where you are today. Sure. So I I bought my first business in my 20s. I grew up with a dad who was very adrenaline hooked, I guess is what you could use. So, and I had two brothers, so I spent my childhood trying to keep up with the boys and doing everything they did, which was racing go-karts and Eventually, I raced cars for a while, riding motorbikes, all that sort of thing. Um, so I was very close to my dad and pretty much emulated whatever he did and what he you know, wanted to do and aspired to. And he bought his first business when I was around 12 years old. And <clears throat> I, I guess I just, yeah, I think we just absorb and learn, you know, from what the, our surroundings as we as we grow up and I spent a lot of time with him on weekends and school holidays and had a lot of sick days just to be able to go to work with him and <laughs> watch and learn uh, throughout his business journey. Um, so yeah, so I had a, an opportunity just pre- presented itself basically to me when I was in my 20s and um, I took that and, and ran with it, um, you know, head first to not really knowing how where, what, why I was doing that, but it it turned out great. Uh, although I did go through a, a transition once I decided to sell that particular business, where we ended up in court. And um, long story short, there was no actual resolution except for a mediation, and I pretty much lost everything. And I'm in everything, <laughs> and had to start all over again. Um, since then, I've built up a number of successful businesses, and most recently, I have written a book which has been published and doing extremely well. It's reached number one bestseller in a few different categories on Amazon, which is super exciting. And these days, I am more in that sort of coaching space and business startup mentor that sort of thing, as opposed to having you know businesses operating and being in the trenches yeah. <laughs> as i've always been yes that's quite a quite a change can, can you tell us a little bit about your book yeah so the book is uh it's basically an autobiography but it's got a little bit of a business flavor infused throughout so uh when i talk about the businesses i obviously touch on some of my major learnings throughout throughout those years um, but it's it's very much meant to inspire and empower others that are going through hard times because I have faced a lot of challenges over the years. I've had a lot of adversity. I've had a lot of, uh, you know, there's been some very traumatic things that have happened. And so to be able to, you know, talk about that and get that out was quite cathartic. And it's also been something that's resonated a lot with with people out there. You know, some of the messages and the calls I've had have been amazing from people that have said, you know, they've been very stuck in certain situations and found it very hard to move through when, you know, some of these things hit us. But 
for me, you know, it, it, it was always a decision that I made not to stay in that space, but that that didn't come easy and it certainly wasn't something that I just decided straight away, oh, it's all right, I'll just keep moving forward. It, it took time and it took a lot of effort and there was definitely a lot of downtime in, the, in there. But, yeah, it's a story that I hope is going to bring, you know, some some inner strength and resilience to a lot of people. Excellent. Perhaps you yeah. could share some of the business challenges, maybe some of the personal challenges that you've had over the past few years and, and how you overcame them. Sure. So one year in particular, so there's been a number of, you know, challenges and I think personal and business tend to intertwine because even if they're personal challenges, they do affect us as, as leaders and, yeah. you know, business owners. So, um, so there's definitely some connection there, but, one year in particular was probably the worst, well, definitely the worst year of my life. So I went through a divorce and my daughters were only very young at the time. So they were three and five. Um, I had my first business then and I had built that business up from four employees to 12. And, you know, we, we increased in prof profitability even just in the first year by about 400%. So it was very successful. But because I had been through that and I guess my, I felt like my daughters needed me more at that time, I made a decision that I was going to sell the business and spend some more time with them and then, you know, go again when when the time was right. But unfortunately for me, just the way things played out, I the franchisor that my businesses were with uh, decided that they wanted to make an example of me and basically sued me for damages for selling to a different franchise. So that resulted in about six months in the Supreme Court and took everything I had out of me mentally, emotionally, physically, <laughs> financially. I remember sitting in the park afterwards and I had $1.76 in my bank account. I couldn't even buy my daughters an ice cream. Wow. So when I say everything, it was it was sort of, you know, rock bottom. I had a decision at that point where I could have declared bankruptcy, I could have let my company go into liquidation and not had to repay all that debt and start again, but I just wasn't prepared to do that. So instead I made the decision to uh, repay everything. Uh, it, was, it was a long process and once I kind of made that decision and got up and thought, okay, yeah, I can do this, I've got to get back you know, back to work and start again. Um, the My dad, who was 58 at the time, and obviously I was very close to my dad as we spoke about, he died suddenly. Mm. So within the space of a year I had divorce, financial ruin, and the loss of somebody, you know, the most important person in my life at that time besides my kids obviously and my mum. So, yeah, so it was really hard. So when, when I talk about overcoming, you know, obst obstacles and adversity, it's not something that's just like a magic pill. And obviously I went through those stages of lying on the floor in the fetal position, <laughs> which is not very attractive, but I just had to do stuff. I cried a lot. I, you know, I got angry at the world. I did all the things that we normally do. And especially the grief, the grief was the biggest thing for me. That was, that was just the hardest thing I've ever had to mm -hmm. overcome in my life. And I think when somebody dies suddenly like that too, there's a lot of trauma involved because it's just you don't have time to prepare and there's always these what-ifs and I should-haves and all that sort of thing. So I wallowed a little bit in, in that, but then I I was just in such a predicament um, financially and I think if anybody's been through a situation where, you know, they've, they've lost everything and, and you're facing mountains of debt, 
you don't really have the luxury of sitting back and just hoping it'll all go away. So I just made a decision one day when I woke up that nobody could come and fix this except for me. And so I had a choice whether to sink or swim and I, I just chose to swim. So for me that meant just finding something every single day that was going to get me out of bed. Um, I, you know, obviously my biggest goal was to repay the debt and get back on top of things, but I just, I didn't want that life for me. And I definitely didn't want that life for my, for my daughters. And I didn't want them to have a mum who was just going to give up on them and on life. So I just basically went back to basics and started taking baby steps. So every day, as I said, it was just one or two little things were all I could probably manage. But by doing that and actually making that decision that I didn't want to stay in that space and that I had to, um, you know, I'm a big believer in we can't expect our lives to change if we don't change. So for me it was like making that decision, let's go and let's let's start again and let's do it just what I can. And some days, as I said, I couldn't get out of bed and other days I would make it for half a day and then I'd have to come home again. But I found that by doing something every single day that was helping to change my mindset, make make me happy, um, just give me a little bit of something, then that created momentum. So for me, momentum is the key. It's not motivation because it's it's temporary motivation. It's really hard to maintain that. I just focused on momentum and I made sure that every day I did something that my daughters would go were going to see and say, you know, oh, mum's, mum's okay, mum's okay. I, I didn't want them to sort of be feeding off that that anguish that I was in constantly. So, yeah, I set set goals but broke them down into daily activities. I did a lot of journaling. I wrote a lot down about how I was feeling and I think that when you when you do that when you put pen to paper and actually write down the stuff that you're going through it actually gives it context and it's it's almost like it's 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 expelling it as well so I did a lot of that and then I would also write straight afterwards three things that I was grateful for and I think that also helped as well I wrote a lot of poetry to my dad I you know there was a lot of things else that I did there to get over the grief aspect of it but when it comes to that that ability to keep functioning, it's just baby steps every single day and then eventually that just builds and builds and builds and then before you know it, you're kind of back in a place where you feel like you're able to cope with things again. So, yeah, that's how I did it. And what does resilience mean to you? And do you think that uh, going through a situation like that has made you more resilient or do you think there is more to this idea of resilience um, in helping us overcome setbacks and challenges? I think it definitely helped me, but I, I, I'm a believer in So everybody, everybody has the potential to be resilient, but sometimes it's really hard to understand how and why you can build resilience. And, and for me, I think until I went through those hardships and, you know, there was a lot of them over the years, I didn't actually understand how resilient I was. So I think the biggest thing for me is when people are going through something and, and finding it really difficult to get through, you've got, I'm not, not one for looking back. I don't look back to the past too often because most of the time when we do that, we focus on the negative stuff, the, the hard stuff and the emotional stuff. So for me, when I do look backwards, I look at the strength that I had at that time and I think you've got to look back and acknowledge the 
fact that you actually were resilient. You know, if you if you move through something and been able to you know keep functioning and keep moving forward and 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 do the basic things every day, then you're building resilience. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a matter of facing up to the challenges and facing up to the fears. And every single time you overcome one of those, you are building more and more resilience within yourself. But you're also building that self belief. Because if you do something that you don't think you can do, you can never tell yourself again that you can't do it, right? So mm. it's just a matter of overcoming and, and facing up to and doing the things that scare us because, you know, as hard as that can be sometimes, it's it's the only way that you're going to stop that that fear from becoming a limiting factor in your life. Yeah. The next day. Have you always been interested in positive psychology and, and these areas? Because it sounds like even in the the depths of real challenge, you started to put in place some tools like a gratitude journal and uh, goal setting and the idea of regaining momentum despite being in that place. So are these techniques that you had read about or did you discover them during the, the challenge? Yeah, I, I had never, obviously these days I'm a lot more into all of that stuff because I feel like that's what's gotten me where I am today. Yeah. But, yeah, I wasn't really into all of that stuff in those days. I, I didn't understand the difference between, you know, a positive mindset or a negative or glass half full, glass half empty. I kind of just, I think I think the way I was brought up, I've always been a high achiever. So I don't fear failure because I've, I built feel like failure is what's teaching us lessons and it's the biggest failures in my life when I look back that have actually caused the the been instrumental in the biggest growth stages so mm. I think I just um for me I think it was just that drive to one not give up um you know as I said growing up riding motorbikes falling off all the time I just keep getting back on until I could master it and that 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 sort of I think set the the framework and the the foundations for me with my personality in wanting to always do well and be the best. And there was definitely a, a stage in my life in teenage years where I, w- I went over the top with it. Like I had this perfectionist mindset, which is impossible to achieve. <laughs> and I think, you know, in hindsight, that, a lot of that comes from insecurity and some things that happened there. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely didn't learn a lot of it. I think it was just intrinsic. It was just something that maybe I had absorbed from other people over the years I mm. yeah I don't know mm. but it's definitely something that as soon as it clicked in my mind that okay this is what you have to do nobody else can do this for you um it just it, it, it just changed everything and I made that decision as I said that it was it was me that had to do this and my whole life was dependent upon me nobody else mm. yeah. for people out there wondering how would you recommend you maintain a positive mindset even when dis, uh, facing real real challenges or setbacks yeah look I'll, I'll be honest I don't believe that you can always maintain a positive mindset because I don't think it's it's just not possible when you're going through stuff like that and yeah. if you've just lost somebody I mean what's the positive out of that <laughs> you know so I believe in acknowledging that sometimes things are not positive and it's more for me about leaning into the emotions of it and not trying to bottle them up because that's something mm. I did for years and years and this has all come with many years of, of hindsight, let me tell you. It, it definitely wasn't at the time 
you know, the, the right thing for me. But by bottling everything up, I think you just you just create this anxiety and this inability to it's like your you class just keeps getting fuller and fuller and then obviously the smallest things that happen, it just overflows. So I think rather than trying to stay positive in situations like that, it's more a fact of, for me, leaning into it, feeling the emotions, processing them, letting them out. And there's nothing like having a good cry. <laughs> um, and I think it's it's really important that we do that because if you don't face them and you don't acknowledge them and you don't actually allow yourself to process them and then um, and then let it go, then it just keeps happening over and over again. It's like we just keep it stays within us and we just keep reliving that moment and then we keep feeling those feelings and that's when it's really hard to let go of. So I think the sooner that we actually you know face it and um, and as I said process it. Then, then we can start to think about what the positive things are in our lives and what we then want to, you know, to, to learn from this and what we want to achieve from it. But whilst you're going through it, yeah, mm. it's pretty hard. Yeah. So the positivity comes after to me. For sure. I, I, I'm with you on that. I think in the depths of, you know, grief, for example, yeah. just trying to mask it with, everything's great that, that's actually going to make it worse long term so sink yeah. into it i like leaning into it and uh, there's a there's a therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy you know accept it spend the time you need and then commit to start moving forward and that's where the positivity kicks in mm. absolutely 100 percent. yeah maybe you can share a specific lesson that you've learned from a difficult experience that has ultimately positively impacted you and your approach to life and business. Um, yeah, so I'll, sh I'll share one which came out of that court case because that was probably the biggest thing in my business life that that could have stopped me in my tracks from ever owning or starting another business right there because it was such a traumatic situation and and um, and something that I have gone over in my mind time and time again and and so the the lessons I got out of that there was a couple of them but the main one was to trust my gut so there's mm. with decisions made around the the sale of the business that probably weren't conducive to my ethos and the way I like to do things and stuff like that but when somebody's buying your business and they you know they they were looking after themselves, obviously their own interests. But um, so, for example, they didn't want me to tell my staff that I was selling because it was a real estate business and a lot of it is based upon clients being passed over and things like that. So if other agencies find out, for example, that a, a business is being sold, they can sort of come in and, and try to take clients before they get signed over. So that's a very base level explanation. Mm. But I had a really good relationship with my team. They trusted me and I, my gut was telling me that wasn't the right thing to do and the way to do it. But I went with what they wanted. I had told the franchisor that I wanted to sell, but they asked me not to tell him at the time either that it had happened. And so, unfortunately, my things always come back to bite you when you're doing the wrong thing, I believe. <clears throat> and my accountant sent a letter to my office, didn't mark it private and confidential. It was a letter confirming the sale and all the information about it. And, of course, my staff opened it. So 
before I knew it, so I got back to the office, everybody knew what was happening. And, you know, if I was in the same situation, I'd have, I'm sure I would have felt the same way as they did. So there was a lot of anger, a lot of hurt, a lot of upset that, that just kind of like just blew up. And then they went straight to the franchisor. And then he obviously was, you know, really angry that I hadn't sort of kept him updated. And because it was going to a new franchise, which there'd been history with between those two franchises in the past, it made it all the worse. So my lesson in that is to trust my gut. And so what I took from that was next business I had moving forward. So I um, I built those businesses up for many years and then <clears throat> the time came for me to sell again. So this time before I did anything with the sale, I went and spoke to the franchisor. I sat down, I explained everything to them, got them on board, went and sat down with all of my staff. Uh, we we laughed, we cried. They, they were 100% on board with me. They trusted me. They honoured and, and, you know, appreciated the fact that I'd been honest with them and told them before anything had happened and, and literally was just asking them how they felt about it and they basically just did everything they could to make sure that, that that transition, that sale went through like as smooth as possible. You know, we're all still great friends <laughs> today and, yeah. yeah, I'm really thankful for that. So I think I think it's really important for us in life to, if, if something's not um, sitting comfortably with you, then do something about it, acknowledge it, speak up, speak your truth and and go with your gut. So that's that's something that I, I live by these days and it's even changed my levels of anxiety and stress over everything because I feel like we we sort of live in other people's worlds and when you're a people pleaser like I am, it's, you know, I don't like confrontation, it's so easy to say yes, it's much harder to say no and it's something that's it's probably created a lot of, um, of that pressure on me over the years by setting expectations for me to do things for other people or help other people that you know are probably not even within my capability sometimes mm. <laughs> I just, just want to do it so yeah that I think that's my biggest learning that I've taken through personal and business life mm -hmm. yeah intuition trusting your gut do you have any processes for that do you meditate or spend time in nature or reflect or do you just feel it as you go through uh challenges or situations opportunities as well yeah so it's definitely been there with opportunities in my life I've always been one of those people that knew that I had to be open to to things happening and new things and so I always you know go with my gut but yes I do I I do meditate I do I'm always outside I love absolutely love being in nature and I find that the if I'm ever really you know struggling to make a decision or I am getting really stressed or anxious about something. If I just go for a walk, like a really big walk in, you know, some bush track or some waterfall or, you know, around a lake or anything outside, I and and nothing, I don't have music on, I don't have podcasts, I just literally just listen and have the quiet. Everything comes to me. I, I think that's when I'm the most creative and I get the most inspiration and, and I find that I, find, I I always say it's my dad talking to me and maybe it is, but I, I just find that I get the answers if I, I do that and I get so much more clarity around everything. So, yeah, I definitely do all of those things. Um, and I think that it's just the fact that also writing the book has sort of, I guess, made me look back a lot more than what I normally do. And as I'm writing about these things, that hindsight 
is is has just been critical for me and out of that I have noticed a lot of the times where uh, things didn't quite go right and there has been challenges a lot of those times have been times where I've put myself in situations haven't I haven't trusted you know my instincts and things like that um, and it's been more around what other people have wanted or expected of me mm, so, yes one of the drawbacks of being a people pleaser but there are yes. positive aspects to that as well in that you're a people pleaser and people enjoy being around you so you know there's it's it's not it's not all bad um, no, not at all. yeah it's just a case of recognizing it and then building that assertiveness as and when needed uh and playing to your strengths as well i guess um well, it goes against the grain a bit for us doesn't it but it's um it's something that we need to do because you know if we're not happy and we're not you know stable yeah. and and content then nobody else around us is anyway so it, it is yeah. important to put ourselves first now and then it is it is and reframing you know something i was thinking about uh, back into the new year lots to do many many competing conflicting priorities um it's very easy to slip into this low level anxiety or feeling of overwhelm, but that is almost giving in and saying, Oh, I'm a victim to my environment. There's so much mm. stuff that's uh, pressing down on me rather than just turning it around and going, well, I'm having so much fun. I'm the, yeah. I'm the main character in this hero's journey uh, and I'm going to play it like a game and actually be a protagonist rather than a victim. To me, that's a, a, a nice cognitive shift that I've been using. Uh, um, yeah, make, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm interested. It, when you've faced adversity, how do you prioritize and make those decisions to keep moving forward? So for me, it's always been looking at the bigger picture um, and finding what my purpose is really because – there were days there where I just felt like I had no purpose. Mm. You know, I'd lost all my confidence. I'd lost all my drive. I'd lost, you know, the ability to function for a while. So I had to then find something that was going to make me want to shift, as you said, just to change my mindset and just start thinking about, you know, um, about happiness again and, and, you know, having a life that I was proud of. And so for me, obviously, that was my, my daughters, first and foremost. So they were my, they were my biggest why. They were the reason that I have always, you know, since I had them done what I've done. But even before that, I, you know, I bought the business before I, I had them. It's, it's, I've just got this, this, this thing inside of me where I, I push myself really hard because I want to make people proud. I want to, for people to, um, you know, I guess, it's not acceptance. It's more that I, I just, I always have had this desire to be the best that I can be for me. Um, and it wasn't until many years later that I realized that people already were proud of me. I didn't need to make people proud of me. What I needed was to be proud of myself. Um, and it took a long time to work that out. So when I was in the midst of it, it was just focusing on, as I said, the bigger picture, which was be proud of yourself, to be proud of myself, to have other people be proud of me and to create a life for my daughters that they could look back on and say, 
you know, my mum did everything she could. She was a great mum. I'm proud of her. And for them to have that resilience themselves and to grow up knowing that, you know, yes, life's hard and there are tough times, but if you embrace them and you embrace everybody around you and you look for the people that are going to inspire you and help you and be there to support you, then you're not alone in it either. That's the other thing that I found really helped me was finding those true friends and the family members that no matter what, they would never give up on me either. Um, so I didn't want to give up on myself and my daughters, but they didn't want to give up on me. So they were always there to pick up the pieces. And so I think that they're probably the best ways that I found to get through those really hard times was, um, yeah, look, look at your bigger picture, look at your purpose. And there was this saying that I heard Oprah Winfrey say once and someone said, you know, how do you help people who are stuck basically? And she said, well, if you're stuck, then you don't know what you want. And I was like, it's probably true (laughs) really because when you're sort of stuck in a situation, when you really know what you want and you really know what you, you want to achieve or you want to be, then it's hard to get stuck because you've always got that focal point that you want to keep moving towards and, and developing and growing, mm. growing towards. Mm. And a lot of people are seeking their purpose and mm. not quite clear about what it is. Often living a life that someone else prescribed for them. Um, mm. Any tips for finding your purpose for someone out there who's thinking, I, I want to discover my why? I think that you have to really... Um, So journaling obviously would help. Meditation definitely helps. Mm -hmm. You have to really, sometimes I think you need to take space. So I have found many times where I've lost my way again, you know, since before and since these things. So the best thing that I've found for me is to take myself away from a situation, to give myself distance and from my life basically. So I've a number of times I've gone and joined a retreat for a week where it's just meditation, good food. Sometimes I go to fasting retreats where four-day fasts as well. Mm-hmm. That definitely helps with me, uh, me with clarity and mindset. Um, but I think by giving yourself a little bit of distance around everything that's happening because we can get so overwhelmed and so busy with the day-to-day of life that we don't that we do lose purpose and we do lose our way it's 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 inevitable that it's going to happen but every time I do that then I find out what it is inside that's driving me again I kind of come back to what my purpose is at that time and my purpose has changed sometimes over the years as well it's not always the same thing um and I think we just have to yeah, I think the best thing for me has always been to give myself some space and do a lot of that mindfulness work, mm. which has then given me clarity around That's what my purpose is. Definitely makes sense. And I think this is an area where all of the people who are struggling with purpose are probably also, and this is a generalization, but quite possibly spending a lot of time connected to screens and vicariously living other people's lives through Instagram or social media and thinking that all of those people have a strong purpose and they don't, where what you actually need to do is just disconnect from that noise for a little while and rediscover Mm -hmm. who you are and what you enjoy and what you like because it's, it's super addictive, especially for young people. 
Absolutely. And I think it's it's more a problem for younger people because it's been around all their lives. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, for us or for me anyway, it, it wasn't something that was around when I was younger. And I think that's why I had a really, like my purpose from when I was younger was always been, has always been to be a business owner. So, yes. you know what I mean? That, that's, that's because yeah. it's, yeah, just from watching my dad, I guess, and everything. But in later years, that might have been completely different if I had not given myself that opportunity and been open to opportunities along the way. Um, but yeah, I definitely think you need space. And I think you need to be away from all of that, that clutter, that mind clutter completely. Mm. Were there any unexpected opportunities that arose from overcoming a particular challenge in your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. So I, so my first business, I mean, I, I started out, in accounting and it definitely wasn't something that I wanted to do. I just fell into that opportunity. It was a job that popped up for me as soon as I finished work. And then uh, I was offered some really good roles in that and progressed very quickly. But again, I, I knew that it wasn't something I wanted to do, but I also knew that it was an opportunity that would give me a good framework when I could have a business one day. So there were opportunities that just popped up and then I, my parents relocated down to the south coast and I decided after about a year or two of uh, commuting and staying with my grandmother that I wanted to move down as well. And so I took a bit of a leap of faith. I didn't have a job to go to and I moved down here and I just had that, that belief that something would open up. I eventually, like, like we travelled around Australia for three months and then I did end up getting a job in accounting again but whilst I was looking I went to a few recruitment agencies and one of them came back to me a year later and said that they had a property developer <clears throat> who was looking for you know a personal assistant and that sort of thing I had never thought of real estate but again I felt like that was an opportunity for me to shift to a different industry and it was exciting so I thought I'm just going to go for it and see what happens out of that, obviously, I did all the courses and things and I went into a real estate agency about four years later to look at property, obviously, and the TAFE teacher or manager, head TAFE teacher, was actually managing that office and he heard me at the reception desk and came out and invited me for a coffee the next day with the owner of that business and then they offered me a job. Again, I felt like it was... A path that I probably needed to take. I don't know why. I just had that feeling again. I went with my instinct and I had had a conversation about six months later with the franchisor at the instigation of my dad um, and just said to him, look, <clears throat> excuse me, I would love to have a business one day. And, you know, if you ever think about selling or looking for a business partner, I'd be very interested thinking it was going to be way down the track, but it happened within another six months. So within a year of me starting in that job, basically as a kind of trainee real estate agent, I hadn't been in residential sales before, I bought into the business uh, 12 months later. He came back and, and offered me a 50% share, which again, as I said, I jumped at and um, didn't know how I was going to get the money, but worked all that stuff out. And then 12 months later, we'd definitely built I'd built up that business a lot so I offered to buy him out completely after 12 months so that was an opportunity that came out of absolutely nowhere and then after the business sale I again I was 
working for the people I sold the business to for about five years as, as part of the contract. And then I just felt that it was time for me to go again into business myself. And there was another real estate agency that just happened to close their doors at that time. And so I contacted the same franchise and had a chat to them and ended up reopening in that space. Um, and then another time I was looking to open my second office in a, a different area and I knew that I wanted to, to do it soon, but again, I didn't have a time frame around it. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. But I knew that it was a it was a small it was a very small called barrier regional town on the south coast. And literally within a month of me opening that up as a as an option for me, something that I wanted to do in my mind, then one of the agencies down there contacted me out of the blue with somebody I knew and he decided he had a very successful independent business and decided that he wanted to sell. And so he came to me and I thought, well, that's the perfect opportunity for me to break into a new new area is to take over his business and rebrand and, and amalgamate that into mine. And so that's what I did. So, yeah, yeah. there's plenty of opportunities that I feel like once you're open to it and you start to put it out there, something will something will come to you give you that mm. opportunity yeah mm. it's that openness and the willingness just to put yourself out there into situations uh, where opportunities can actually find you i think there are so many opportunities out there i like to think of them as waves and if you don't mm. paddle out you you're not going to find the waves you're going to be on the beach watching other people absolutely mm. it's so true how do you balance the pursuit of success and manage stress and avoid the so-called burnout at the same time? Mm. Good question. Um, there's definitely been elements of burnout for me in my career and my businesses over the years, but I have learned very quickly to manage that. So um, the mindfulness thing is a big thing for me. And I, when I get up in the mornings now, I used to be straight up, straight on my phone, answering emails, you know, making calls first thing in the morning, all that sort of stuff. Now I don't touch my phone when I wake up. So the first thing I do is just a half an hour of meditation or mindfulness or listening to just something really, you know, that's going to help me uh, with getting into the right mindset for my day. I actually calendar, I put in my calendar exercise. So I prioritize exercise. Mm. So whether that's in the morning, whether it's during the day, I sometimes in my lunch break, I go to the gym or I'll go for just a big walk or, you know, a run, even just a run around the block. And I find that that literally just changes my, my energy levels for the rest of the day rather than going and having another coffee, which is what I sort of used to do. I re-energize through some sort of exercise. Mm. And then same thing in the afternoons. I have a cutoff time now where I get off my phone and I've been listening to a lot of stuff around sleep patterns and how important our sleep is and things like that and what our brain does when we sleep. And it's incredibly interesting. So you know, our circadian rhythms, all that sort of stuff. So it's really important that we do switch off before we go to sleep and that we go to sleep at a, a reasonable time so that mm. our bodies then can function the way they're meant to while we sleep. And then when we wake up in the morning, we tend to just – so for me, I, I tend to wake up without an alarm anymore. I wake up yeah. just, you know, after the sun's come up and 
I find that so much more pleasant than getting woken up by these like, me, oh, <laughs> um, totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I joke during resilience training workshops, it's called an alarm. And that's the thing yeah. that greets you first thing in the morning. <laughs> and if you're in a deep sleep cycle, as you will have read, uh, you know, that's your basic, your body's still asleep. You experience sleep inertia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really horrible thing. Whereas if you can find your rhythm and stick to it every day, you yeah. relieve yourself of so much stress. <laughs> you know, you're just aligning your rhythm with nature's rhythm. And as you said, uh, I agree. And it's a core part of our training program. You know, we've had people come to resilience training and they say, okay, I want to be resilient, but don't tell me to exercise or um, be calm or uh, do improve my sleep. Uh, just give me the tools to be resilient. Now, unfortunately, you have to start with the basics because if yes. you're hungry or tired or you know feeling um, at the bottom of a, some sort of spiral, it's going to be quite challenging for you if you don't have the energy and the vitality to to push yourself through no good insights yes definitely makes a difference and and the other thing is getting up and once you've you know once i've done that um mindfulness stuff in bed i get up and i just walk outside because they say that you should have have at least two minutes or three minutes of direct sunlight every morning before you do anything so Yeah. yeah Yeah. Sounds like sounds like our mornings are quite similar, except for the phone. The phone has to get out of the bedroom, and I have excuses. You, you, <laughs> it's the the games that you play with yourself. It somehow found its way back. Uh, that's going to ah. go out. But the, the the morning, you know, going outside, standing on the earth, and letting sunshine yeah. into your eyes. It's not difficult, and it's actually quite enjoyable once it becomes a habit. Oh, it actually becomes um, for me. It's like if I don't do it. I get really yes. like what's happening. <laughs> it just yes. becomes such a, a like a nice habit, and I just mm. yeah, I just I've been really enjoying that. It's only been a, a recent thing that I I've learned about that sort of stuff, and I just find that it just completely shifts how I feel. I wake up relaxed. I you know I just I find that I I'm not you know I, as soon as I come to work I, I don't even have coffee in the mornings anymore, which is always Aren't a thing you? for me. Wow. Yeah, mm. I don't need it need it anymore. Yeah, for people wondering about how to reboot their lifestyle, a tip that I've seen work successfully for many people is to just go camping. Go camping for, it's not everyone's cup of tea, right? But go camping for a week or even longer if you can, 10 days, and you will very quickly find that you are aligning with nature, not glamping Mm -hmm. with TVs in the tent or whatever. I go proper camping and little niggling skin disorders start to heal and you start to feel more energized and you're walking around all day. It's so good for you. 100%. It's the absolute best. I love camping. I love being outside. Yeah. yeah. I just spent yeah. 23 days camping, which might be a bit on the long side, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, by the end I was like looking forward to getting back to my desk, but uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely a good way to spend some time and, and reconnect with family. My daughter loved it. You know, we, we had a great time. Um, yeah. I was wondering if you could share some insights into building a support network. You mentioned it earlier on, you know, purpose mm-hmm. and momentum and having that network there that uh, supports you. So maybe you could share, yeah, how you build that network. 
I think the main thing is just finding people who lift you up. Um, yeah. You don't want to be surrounded by people who, you know, ha might have a victim mentality, who are a drain on you. That that used to be the type of people that I attracted for many years. Mm. And once I started to recognise that I was being drained of energy, I was coming away from, you know, dinners feeling a little bit depressed and and yeah. I thought, hang on, this isn't, this isn't the people and the energy that's going to help me. So for me, it's having having the friends and the family around you who, and it's not always family, not, not all family are the same, you know, like you might have some family members that are great at this and others that are not. But I feel like it's the ones that it's equal, you, you, it's equal give and take and yeah. people who are not going to make judgments, they're not going to give you advice unless you ask for it. So I even just the other day I was having a conversation with my oldest daughter who has just turned into probably the wisest person I know somehow and I was talking to her about something and she said, Mum, before you continue, she said, are you telling me about this because you want my advice or are you telling me about this because you just want to vent and you want me to listen? And I was just like, who are you? <laughs> it was incredible. And I thought, oh, that's just exactly right. And I just wanted her to listen. And, and so having friends that understand that where you can go there and sometimes, I mean, we all need to let stuff out and it's just having somebody who is going to listen, not try to fix it, not try to give advice unless you want it and, um, and who's going to understand that, you are doing that for the purpose of just being able to have somebody there to support you and mm -hmm. let you vent or, or whatever you want to do. So for me, um, they're the types of people that I, I recognise now when I meet people. They're the people that I, most of them are people that have been around for a very long time for me. They're not, um, you know, there's a lot of friends that are sort of not superficial, but they're like, I guess, your outer circle of friends. Yeah. But they're not people I would be having those conversations with. They're they're fun. They're good to go out with. They're good to, you know, go away for a weekend with now and then. But I think your inner circle has to be people who completely support you, accept you, and love you for what you are, and who have that uh, ability to just always be there for you whenever you need them. And vice versa, it has to go both ways. It can't all be yeah. yeah one person one way. Mm. I think when you build on that eventually once you my my honest belief is that once you start to surround yourself with people like that that builds you automatically start to meet other people energetically other people that are in a similar frame of mind and and what are, they tend to come into your life as well that's that's what's happened to me anyway mm. And taking the time to nurture those friendships I think is important because you can't just oh, yeah. expect them to always be there for you if if you're too busy or you're prioritizing other things uh, i think it's so important to nurture them 100 percent. sorry yeah that's very true what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs who are you know going through challenges as part of their own growth journey i think the main thing is that you have to believe in yourself because if we let self-doubt if we let fear of failure if we let any of those negative emotions come in, it just makes it harder and harder for you and you do tend to get stuck and you do tend to not take the action that you should be taking. So my one of my biggest um, 
challenges and my biggest things that I've said to myself over the years is if I don't believe I'm able to do anything, then I can't. I won't be able to do it because self-belief is everything and it's not it's not something that's easy but you have to just keep telling yourself that you can do, do stuff. And as I said, the more that you do overcome and you look back on it, you'll be surprised if you actually take the time and the space to look back on all the things that you've done up to that point. That's what you should be focusing on. Don't focus on the future too much. Don't focus on, you know, anything that hasn't worked out in the past. If it hasn't worked out, it's just it's just been something that's meant to redirect you. That's what I believe. And there's more than one road to a destination, right? So be open to change because often things will happen that will force you to change, but it doesn't mean that you're not still on track. It just means that you're going a different way. And same with the um, the whole you know, challenges and adversity thing. If you have a bit of a setback, then that's okay because it's inevitable that's going to happen. But you've just got to remember that you have to just focus on moving forward and focus on what you're doing at any given time. It's For me, it's always been, been lately, in the later years, it's always been focusing on the now and not trying to predict the future too much because if you try to predict the future, and you try to really compartmentalise everything and your goals are <clears throat> really quite rigid, you're going to miss opportunities. And to be an entrepreneur, it's all about being open to change and open to new opportunities because they will come. They will be there. They'll present themselves to you. But if you miss them, it's on you basically. So, yeah, I think definitely be open all the time to opportunities that are going to come up and really give them some thought they're there mm. for a reason nice tips so self-belief staying present to the now and being open three really important tools absolutely and yeah. how has overcoming adversity shaped your leadership style how how are you as a leader and as a problem solver in business yeah I think I'm definitely a lot more um, connected and empathetic. I've always been like that with my team. I've always been very inclusive in that I bring my team into decision making. I I love having them come to me with problems and things like that. I've never been somebody that's like, oh, what did you do that for? For me, everybody makes mistakes and because I've made some pretty colossal mistakes over the years, I guess that's made, given me a lot better understanding about how people work. And it's always been, you come to me whenever you need me, if you have any, if you make a mistake, let's, let's work it out together. So rather than saying, why did you do that? Or how did that happen? It's like, okay, what do we need to put in place so that this doesn't happen again? Talk to me about the process leading up to it. Talk to me about how I can assist you so that, you know, do you need more time? Do you need more processes? Do you need more? What is it, what is it you need that we can, we can help to um, alleviate this sort of stuff happening? And by doing that and having that open door policy, I think that that has definitely helped me with building a very resilient and cohesive team because they're not scared to own up to anything that, doesn't go right they're not scared to come and tell me if, if you know something happens and sometimes you know employees tend to if, if you're somebody who isn't open and 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 has more of that attitude that you know everybody has to follow the 
I don't know, their, their processes and not make mistakes and stuff like that. It's very hard for people to work and be nurtured and to grow in that environment. So for me, it's always been trying to bring out the best and, and whatever in people. And by going through a lot of the hardships I've been through, it it's it's given me that ability to be a lot more calm and empathetic to what they're going through as well. So everybody's going through something. You might even just have a, a child that you drop off at a daycare that morning and they were crying and didn't want you to go, and that's traumatic for a mum, leaving their child at that. You might have a fight with your spouse, you know, that morning and you come to work and you're not happy. So, you know, I, I go through the office every morning and say to everybody, how are you going, how are you feeling, anything I can do to help you today? And just by creating that connection and, and, and giving them that space to feel stuff if they're having a bad day and they would open up to me and I'd say, all right, go, just go and have a coffee, go and do what you need to do for the next hour and then, you know, when you feel better you can come back. And sometimes if they had to go home, they'd go home. So I have a complete understanding about how hard it is managing a family, managing work, managing, you know, all the other stuff that we have to do, especially my businesses have been mainly women, not because I chose them. It just seemed to be the, peop- the the right people for the job. So, yeah, finding that balance for a woman is, is not easy. And mm. so, yeah, my I guess the adversity over the years has definitely helped me with all of that. Hmm. And back to your book, perhaps you could share a little bit about the writing process. Is it something you did in – in one go or have you been drafting it over many years? No, I did it in one go. So I was actually in the process of writing a different book, which was more business, you know, real estate oriented. And I had a publisher that I'd been speaking to and just through conversations and I was talking about some things and she was the one that said to me, Money, that's the book you need to write first. She said that gives you the leverage and the credibility for people to understand where you've come from and where you are today. And so, yeah, I pretty much shifted gears and I started that book and wrote it within, I wrote the first drafts within three months and then the rest of it probably took another month or six weeks just to finalise and go through and I read over it a million times and cut things out, added things in. I, I had to take space again. I found that just being in the same environment and I, I just got caught up with everything else and work. So I did take uh, six months off work and um, I took myself away a few times. So talking about being in nature, I went and did a solo road trip around Tasmania, sat in the rainforests and in beautiful lodges in front of fires and I did a lot of my writing there. I did another um, road trip. I went up and stayed on the Hawkesbury River in a little remote cabin. <laughs> so I find that that's, as I said to you, that's when I'm the most creative and I feel like I'm the most in the zone because you have to, it's actually hard to get your head into it. And once you start writing, it's really hard if you get interrupted to sort of get back into mm-hmm. it. So yeah, but it was an amazing process. I loved it. So I definitely will be writing another book. It was very cathartic as well. And I think if you, want to write a book and I know many people have come to me since and said that they've always wanted to write a book I think that you just need to start you know I've been putting it off since high school but I guess in hindsight I didn't have that much to talk about in high school so it's a good thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I think just starting is a hard part just draft it out set your chapter 
titles and things like that and then it just dot points and then you kind of just extrapolate from there and it yeah it all comes together eventually yeah yeah it's yeah. it's not an easy process i i finished another one late last year and took time out to do it so i wasn't working full time <laughs> it was yeah. um it's a there are some moments that are less fun than others. I think people yeah. think it's glamorous. You sit with a pipe and you write and you muse. <laughs> it's actually really difficult. But And then editing comes along, which is my worst. Uh, but ultimately, it's an, amazing, it's an amazing journey, yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little bit more glorified than it actually is, you're right. But it's, um, it's a good feeling. It's a, it's a nice feeling, isn't it, once you're done? Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, how can people get hold of your book? So you mentioned it's on Amazon? Yes, it's on Amazon and it's on Barnes & Noble, which is fairly big in the US. And it's also being distributed into bookstores in the next four to six weeks. Um, we're just in the process of doing that global distribution at the moment. Uh, the audio book has been uploaded. I'm just waiting for all the ACX checks and that sort of thing to go through. So hopefully within the next, I believe, 10 to 20 days, that should be live. Um, it's just audible takes a lot longer at the moment. Yeah, it so does. it'll be on other platforms. But the name of the book is Unread Pages, The Silent Struggles Behind Every Success. Love that so, title. Yeah. And there's also, there is also a, a site which is just unreadpagesbook.com and that will link you to straight to it on Amazon. Excellent. Unreadpagesbook.com. We'll list that in the show notes, of course. So please do go and check the, the book out. I certainly will. And uh, any final thoughts for our listeners who've sat with us through the last hour? Oh, well, I just appreciate their time very much in listening. And I, I'm a true believer that anybody can achieve anything they want, but you've just got to put in the work and you've got to decide what that is and create some kind of roadmap to get there. That's, that's to me, that's, that's the be all and end all. Just break everything down into step-by-step -step stages and you'll be able to get, you'll be able to do it. Thank you, Mani, for the insights and for your time. It's been a real pleasure having you on, and I look forward to doing this again when you release your next book, maybe before. Sounds amazing. Excellent. Uh, thank you all. Please do check out the links in the show notes, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Resilience Podcast.